Welcome. It's Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here with Terry Wickstrom. We're going to talk about, among other things, his favorite player, his PC, Todd Helton. But the sponsors, Top Spinini and Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huckington Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Card, Burbank Sports Cards, and ComC.com, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Aurora, Colorado. I bet they sell a lot of Todd Helton, but welcome to the show, Terry Wickstrom, and give us a little about your hobby background and then why you chose Todd Helton, or perhaps he chose you in some mystical way. So welcome, Terry. Sure. Thank you for having me, Dr. Beckett. My background's pretty standard. I started collecting in 83 as a little kid, opening packs. Did that every year until 87. I almost completed the set by opening packs. Didn't quite get there. And then for a Christmas gift, I got the 87 set for my grandparents. And when I got that full set, that really got me going. 88, I was all in and I was spending everything I could on packs until the typical high school driving age. And then I faded away, got married, had kids, came back a little bit later, probably around, I'd say 2000. I never stopped collecting, but I, those, 10, 12 years I bought sporadically. And the Todd Helton thing, I got on Todd Helton because I first started collecting twins when I was a kid because the Rockies didn't have a team here until 93. When I came back, I went actually to Mike Stadium Sports Cards. It was the first shop I went back to and still the shop I go to the most. But went in there looking for twins and he sold me an autographed Harmon Killigrew card that I thought was really cool. And I saw all the Rockies cards in there as well. I had I had picked up some of the base top sets along the way, but I really just shifted my focus from twins to Rockies at that time. I'd say... Either right around that time or maybe a year before, I got the opportunity to meet Todd Helton and even got to go duck hunting with him, which was a really cool thing. And went to a sportsman's expo with him. Um, fortunate that my dad works in the outdoor industry and has a radio show. So they connected that way and it just came through where I got a chance to meet him. And that's really how I got on Todd Helton and loved him ever since. Is he a great shot? <laughs> he's better than me yeah uh, he's pretty good being a tennessee boy he grew up with a shotgun in his hand or a rifle and loves the outdoors and so when he came to colorado he still has a home up here in in longmont between the two places he's pretty much in heaven it even got to the point where me and my dad ended up going to the national championship game for college football the first one in tennessee was playing florida state and my dad sent helton a text he's like hey that'd be cool if we could meet up and hoping maybe we'd get a little bring us down or something and helton's like no nah, I'm, I'm gonna rather be hunting i'm not going to that game which is his alma mater in the national championship he didn't even go oh my goodness todd helton was an amazing player and had strong seasons for more than a decade he played for 16 17 years but do you think people really have taken a closer look because he's a well-rounded guy is he getting the credit he deserves? Uh, I'm biased, so I think he doesn't get the full credit he deserves, but I definitely don't think he's overlooked. He did play 17 seasons, and for that five or six season run from like 2000 to 2005, he was unbelievable. But there's the course field thing, and it, you can't ignore it. His splits are what they are. He was a better player at home than he was on the road. But that being said, almost every player has better numbers at home than they do on the road. So you, you can look past that somewhat. And then many players that have played here in Colorado will tell you it's almost harder to consistently put up big numbers because when you come here at Coors Field, the breaking balls don't break and it's easier to hit, of course. But then when you go on the road, you've been here for a 10-game homestand, you go on the road and the breaking ball looks like it's Bugs Bunny curving to you because you see such a drastic difference. And you're doing that probably 16, 17 times a year where you're going a chunk at home, a chunk on the road, a chunk at home, and it's really hard to adjust. On top of that, the fatigue on your body. I'm an athlete here. I play high school sports here. Nothing serious, but it's a longer time to recover. I'm interested to see how people look at him now that Larry Walker has gotten in. And I think the majority of Walker's career was here in, in Colorado, especially his prime years. So I think that helps. It should bring a little more attention to Todd and hopefully some of the other players like Nolan coming up along through the ranks. 
Terry, I'm not a baseball writer, Association of America official voter for the Hall of Fame, but if I were, I would take into account a couple of things. One is that he's got gold gloves. So in that same environment where the ball is supposedly jumping off the bat and going out, he's winning gold gloves. And the other thing is that he had franchise loyalty. To me, that's a big deal. I'm a very loyal person. Somebody that stayed his whole career there. And then the other aspect that I don't think the Baseball Hall of Fame takes into account, he was a good football player. Uh, at Coors Field, you're thinking he's just some big lunk that hits a lot of home runs. No, he hit for high average, lots of doubles, a fair amount of homers for sure. But he wasn't a one-dimensional player. He's got gold gloves, and he's got quarterback skills. Exactly. <laughs> From an outstanding program, a left-handed quarterback, I think even that is against the grain. So he had to be a great athlete to me, that outweighs any Colorado thin air bias. When I play golf in Colorado, the ball goes farther. Oh, wait a minute. It only goes farther and higher if you hit it. You have to hit it on the sweet spot. It doesn't help your putting. It doesn't help your short game. And there's the equivalent to that in baseball, I think, is it to be a well-rounded player, offense and defense. You still got to hit the ball on the nose. And that's hard when somebody's throwing it at 100 miles an hour at you. So, again, I, I'm a fan. And I don't know that there's anything you or I can do <laughs> since right. you don't get a vote except talk it up. And I think he's trending up. I think there's some appreciation that he was one of the best players in the league in the game for certainly that five or six year period. And probably I extend that out to about 10 years that he had that were all star type seasons. Then he oh, had yeah, some yeah. injuries and stuff like that. So Yeah, the last handful of years he definitely tailed off. But there were there was probably 10 years that you could say he was a legitimate all star. And there was five years where he. I believe if he didn't play in Colorado, he would have won an MVP with the numbers he put up. Just if they took it on face value. Of course, 2000, he had the misfortune of, of uh, going against a guy who set uh, a record that will probably stand forever, even though it's a little tarnished, Barry Bonds, 73 homers. Uh, the extent of your collecting, are you exhaustive in your collecting, or how do you pursue that? His rookie cards or pre-rookie cards, how aggressively or how broadly do you collect Todd Helton? He has over 7,000, 8,000 cards, somewhere in that range. You're never going to get them all, but my, I, I go after them all. There's just so many one-on-ones and short-numbered stuff you won't get. And I have several thousand different ones now. And I'm to the point where it's it, you don't see them pop up too often, ones that I don't have. Um, I consider his rookie the 93 Olympic card. And so I've got that, and I've got the Bazooka one. And, and they're both graded by Beckett. And those are two of my favorite cards, especially the Bazooka one. Uh, he's got some Asheville cards and some minor league cards before that that I also collect. But just... With the, everything that I don't have, it's probably numbered to, I wouldn't say everything, the majority is numbered to 25 or less. So when I see it, I pick it up. They're, one of the real challenges now is it's time. That's a valuable asset. And you can go, I've, I've checked all the usual sports lots, sports lots, ComC, Beckett Marketplace. I go on eBay. And I've considered, one of the reasons I reached out to you is considering going to the National. I've never been. And I do collect a little bit of vintage baseball. And I collect other Rockies cards as I see them and they appeal to me. But and I, I thought, is it worth it to go to the National and spend a couple of days Walking through there, I'll see a lot of great cards. So just to that aspect alone, it's definitely worth it and something I want to do at some point. But is it worth it as far as just from the player collector aspect? Am I going to find something there or should I go there with the expectation of I'm probably not going to find something there, but I should just go there and enjoy the aspect of the National? It's hard. The National is the biggest card show. It's huge, but it's not as big as eBay. It's probably not even as big as ComC. What you can do is circulate around and meet some people who, based on their wares at the show, could be helpful or could be on the lookout for you. The problem right. is that I think Todd Helton's going to be trending. We've done different episodes about Hall of Fame prospects. And when people think somebody's, if his vote totals keep getting up there, 
you're not going to be the only guy looking for Todd Helton and his tough cards. And there aren't enough to go around. On the under 25 is probably a good cutoff. There's more than 25 people that want great cards of Todd Helton. If I had a box of Todd Helton cards, a thousand cards in it, how long would it take you to figure out whether you wanted the box or not? If it, I said the it box wouldn't take long. It if, wouldn't, I said, I mean, I, I, if I said ahead. the box was a hundred bucks, you'd say, "Give me the box." If I said the box was a thousand bucks, you'd say, "Let me look at the box." <laughs> right, right. Yeah, for a hundred bucks, it's worth it just to grab it. If there's not even a card in there, I want. I know enough young collectors that you can just spread that wealth and hopefully get some other people collecting Todd Helton as well. A thousand bucks, I'm gonna have to look at it, but. It really would come down to it's almost not even the price point. At that point, it's do you have 20 cards in there that I don't have or five cards I've never seen in person, stuff like that. So it wouldn't take long, obviously, to flip through. I've, I've turned through my notebooks so many times. I, I, I know those Todd Helton cards. I love those Todd Helton cards. I, I'd recognize immediately some that I needed or wanted. In. It, so you're a, a notebook guy? Or are you a spreadsheet guy? Or are you a keep it all in your head? I haven't seen this card before kind of guy. What? How do you know what you have and what you need? So I, I have it on trading card database. I pretty up to date. I'm probably a couple hundred short on there. I'll just do it in chunks. So I'll get it on there so I can go there when I'm at a show and look it up. But I pretty much know, and I do keep it in notebooks behind me. That's mostly Kyle Freeland, I think, on that shelf. But I have shelves like that at Helton. The more expensive stuff, I'll take it out of the notebook and put it on display somewhere in my house. I have a couple different places, but I'm a completionist and I love the way the notebook looks. So I'll actually take a picture of it and make a paper copy of that size of a baseball card and slip it in the notebook where it goes as I take it out to display it somewhere else. And then, of course, you've got the graded stuff that just doesn't go in the notebooks, but you can still take a picture and slide it in there because I've actually got about 30 notebooks for Todd Helton, and they're probably maybe 40, 50 percent full because I've got a spot for every single card on the Beckett checklist for him, even if it's a blank white piece of paper that says it's the Topps Tech gold one of one that I'm probably never going to see. I've got that spot in there just waiting, hoping someday that'll be full. So is Topps Tech, is, is that a blessing or a curse for you? Oh, it's a curse. Topps I mean, Tech I, is a I don't mess. know what they were thinking. Do you think Topps Tech was made for player collectors? To frustrate I, them? I can't say it would be, or they wouldn't have put all those ones to tan and then the ones in there. I think it was made because they, they wanted more one of ones, and people were, they're finding a way to make one of ones cheaply. All they're doing is changing the background on the card. It lessens the value of those. They're true one of ones, but they're not something that I would pay the same value I would have a top superfractor say that there is only one of that. Your collection sounds exhaustive, which is the way I did it too, but it just seems like ultimately what's going to come is that sometimes the card companies are beating a dead horse. If something is too subtly different to be able to explain to my wife or to a yep. non-collecting friend, then maybe it's too subtle to have extreme value just because it's one of one when it looks almost the same as the one of ten almost the same as the one of a hundred, almost the same of, as the one of a thousand or as you go up. What we've seen in 2020 is cards are a form of art. If it's not artistically very different, then you'd think, but I appreciate your diligence. You're going after the one of ones too. And there is a limit to what you'll pay, right? You're oh, not of course. spare no expense because that's the only frustration that I hear from some of the player collectors. When you go around the national and you tell them, then they might hold you hostage. If they've got a one of one or something very limited, they'll just think well, it's worth this, but I know he'll pay more because. No, there's some one of one sitting on eBay right now that I'd love to have, but some of them are just basic one of one cards and they want five, six hundred dollars yeah. for me. Obviously, that's way out of the range. I just pass them up. Basically, sports card insight indeed is that the more one of ones there are in the hobby, the easier it is for somebody to get a handle on the price because the different one of ones in the different products and the different years even, there's going to be comparisons to what it ought to be worth. 
Uh, yep. You can't compare something to itself because it's the only one. But if there's a very similar one, same brand, slightly different year. Thanks, Terry, for being here today and talking about your favorite player I like as well. I like his Hall of Fame chances. When you're collecting some of this not in the Hall of Fame and you want to be in the Hall of Fame, you want to get all their cards before he gets in the Hall of Fame. So, <laughs> yeah, Terry, exactly. I hope you can do that. And, again, thanks, listeners. We'll be back again tomorrow with another episode.